Australia. Quake Cooper for the win. It's on its way. It's on its way. It's gone. Quake Cooper is the man. Hi there, and welcome to Pick and Drive Rugby Podcast, where diehard rugby fans having a weekly chat about all things Aussie rugby. We're real, family-friendly and positive. So get involved. Get involved. Get involved. Now, Rev, I want to start with you because I know that you've had a pretty exciting weekend. Um, You might have had a weekend that many Southerners down in New South Wales really didn't understand. Can you explain your Saturday night, please? Well, it started on Thursday night, I think, when um, a mate of mine who was hosting our uh, this year's draft sent a picture of two cousins of cruises. And I was excited. I thought, gee, the lolly water's out. That's great. Uh, everyone should be excited. And in my, I guess, foolishly, I sent it to our group chat with um, the draft rugby boys and, and Matt from Gold Digger. And I, I thought everyone will get on board. Everyone will be really excited for me. And it was just met with a resounding thumbs down, shaking of heads. There was a lot of questions. Um, there was, you know, there just... was, I will say there were some talks behind your back, Mitch, that we might actually kick you out of the group chat for <laughs> even sending that photo. It was, yeah, it was dark times. A few people were questioning whether I was a Rebels fan with just behavior <laughs> like that. It was really, <laughs> just really questionable sort of stuff. So I, um, yeah, I, I bore the brunt of that, but I hate to say I was, I was one in the wrong because as much as I enjoyed it that night, um, this morning was less than desirable. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, but good night drafting. I think two drafts in six days. So, yeah, really happy with that. Good, mate. And are you happy with the team that came out on, at the end of that process, even despite the cruises? I think the first few rounds was sort of the start of the drink. So it wasn't too bad. I was like, yeah, these are good picks. This is smart. We're, we're looking good here. And then by the end... You know, we, we kind of had like different rules where we'd have a big drink whenever anyone made a really good pick and a big drink whenever anyone made a really bad pick. So um, obviously those two things just started getting more and more increasingly uh, frequent. So yeah, I'd say by round 10, there was some pretty bad picks going throughout. But no, no, really good fun night. Um, and the good thing was with all of that going on, the stream uh, to the game out at Roma wasn't working. So I didn't even have to see the result. <laughs> um, from the most recent trial. If you didn't watch it, it, did it on happen? The, uh, on the previous comment, Rev, around your team, I said you must have been hitting the source pretty hard when you picked Alex Newsom as your starting fullback. So, <laughs> hey, no one was that drunk. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, mate. In our pick, I was trying to get him until I found out he was listed as an outside back rather than the centre. But anyway, that's a story for another time. Uh, Mitch, how's your weekend, my friend? Yeah, very good. Got to watch the Waratahs beat the Reds on the trail game on Saturday night, or should I say Sunday morning, nearly, by the time it finally kicked off. <laughs> yep. I think we have decided that Queensland is the no the non place to host a rugby game if it's going to happen it'll either be wrecked by covid or you'll just shut the power off and and make everyone wait two hours until you decide to kick off again yeah it's it seems like once they get out of that central bubble around suncorp where everything is just golden for australian rugby the state just can't get itself together and even organize basic utilities to a location so uh we'll see what happens next for next yeah, year's fixture Shout out to Morgan Turanui because I think he got on the the old uh, electric bike to start pedaling to get the lights back on. So, <laughs> Stan boys doing doing their thing for the the game of rugby. But no, in all seriousness, it was a great performance by the Waratahs, and 
Um, bit, bit puzzling by the Reds, but we will get into that a little bit later. All right. Well, why don't we jump into things? Mitch, can you firstly take us through our social platforms and we'll tell you what's happening tonight? Fantastic. So we are on Instagram at hashtag pick underscore drive underscore rugby. We're on Facebook at the pick and drive rugby podcast page. So please do give us a like and a follow there. Uh, and you have been giving us a like and follow recently. There's been a lot of traffic on that page. So thank you everyone for getting involved there. And we are also on Twitter at pick underscore drive rugby. So definitely give us a like and a follow there. A like? Do you do that on Twitter? I'm not not too sure. But yeah. um yeah, yeah. retweet us. If you see anything you think that we would love to talk about on the pod, definitely give us a a, a hat retweet or a tag us in a You a don't comment. even know what words you're saying. Yeah, now. I you're don't even know how Twitter works. Into the a mention. A mention. mention. A mention. Oh, yeah. There we go. <laughs> Thanks, Rev, for saving it. Now, um with that performance, I am a bit scared for this one. Can you plug Superbrew as well, mate? Because our numbers are getting pretty big. Yeah, so we are doing a tipping comp this year. We are on Superbrew. We have 56 people signed up for the tipping comp as of time of recording. So that is awesome. Really looking forward to that going ahead. So just Google uh, Superbrew. You will find the platform and then create an account and then type in pick and drive rugby and you should find our public pool. Uh, Definitely get involved with that because we've got a bit of banter going on there and each week we will uh, put up the winner of the yellow cap. So a good opportunity to get your name up in lights on the pod. Excellent. Well, I think that's it for the kind of first round of announcements. Now, what are we going to be doing tonight? We're basically going to be starting off with, and we're going to start with a bit of a chat through some of the recent trial game results and a couple of the big talking points of news in Australian rugby over the last week or so. Uh, then we're going to head into our preview of the Western Force. It's our final preview episode unless I've missed something, but I'm pretty sure it's our final preview episode. Good, good. Um, And unfortunately, we weren't able to get a guest from the Western Force. Now, uh, this is not because we are East Coast um, people who have a superiority complex. Um, We did contact Super... um, We did contact the Western Force multiple times, spoke to people from a bunch of their kind of... Well, spoke to a bunch of people in their media team and kind of communications team. And it just never happened, um, despite me literally calling people on their days off when they were sick and stuff and just badgering. It just didn't happen. I think whilst it is super disappointing, um, I also think the timing of it, of us trying to be getting interviews when they're trying to figure out whether they're even going to be in the state for the entirety of their competition or not, was a bit of a challenging thing. So I think they were just prioritizing them actually sorting out what was happening with their fixtures and their squad. So understandable, but also disappointing. So unfortunately, you just get to listen to us talk about the force for the whole time. So enjoy three Easterners talking about the Western Force. It's going to be great. Fantastic. Right. Well, let's uh, let's get into it and let's get going. Let's go. Now, this section pains me to bring up because I'm uh, I'm boasting a pretty poor record, but I think we've got two hosts here that are going to be very keen to dive into those results. Uh, we're going to be looking at the trial matches because Super Rugby Pacific is right around the corner. And in the build-up to that, we've had a fair few games between the Australian teams, as well as some games including the new Fiji and Drua. And we're very keen to see how these games might reflect how these teams progress into the season. So... I might as well just start with a general comment towards the preseason. 
two games for the Waratahs against Super Rugby sides, as well as three games against Shoot Shield opponents. Mitch, how are you feeling about the Waratahs so far? They're, they're looking pretty good so far. I've got to say, I'm pretty confident. Uh, looking at the performance that they put in against the the Brumbies down in Barrel a few weeks ago, it was a good good result for them and didn't want to get too far ahead of myself uh, in just terms of preparation for the season. There was a lot of changes coming for the Brumbies uh, second half or second third uh, team that they played. So it wasn't really like their, their Wallabies weren't out in force. So good performance by the, the Waratahs, but not necessarily a good indication of how they're tracking against the super side. But this week against the Reds was a very good indication because yep. all of the Wallabies players, bar the ones that are stuck in COVID isolation, uh, which is Hunter Paisami and Tate McDermott. Are those the only two that are currently in isolation? Yeah. Yep. So uh, outside of that, every, all the other players in the red setup got some game time and we came out, out victorious and we played very well, dictated a lot of the play and dictated a lot of the major minutes of the of the game. Uh, so it, it's looking good so far and I'm... I'm Things are definitely looking up for the Waratahs in this coming season. Well, I think one of the things that's been the most exciting for the Waratahs as a whole is more so that their defence has been so rock solid. And you guys have seen them both play in person. And are they looking much bigger or is it just a different approach to how they, they're they attacking um, the opposition? Um, look, there are a couple of players that are looking bigger. I think the return of um, someone like Jed Holloway is just doing well because he's a bit more experienced and is leading the players around. And I noticed it down at um, in Bowral where he was just being really, really vocal and physical with his play. Um, and physical in a sense of like hitting someone and getting up quickly and rejoining the line with energy and intent. And that's particularly what I noticed um, in a match last night against the Reds where they seem to just be muscling up and have a lot of intent. They're not aiming to try and do passive tackles and just suck up the attack. They're aiming to try and dominate the opposition. And a really good example of that was Parisi absolutely smashing Dongunu and driving him literally 15 metres yeah. backwards in the tackle, um, which very rarely happens to Dongunu. So... I'm not sure that the, the camera angles suck for these games. So you can't really see what kind of systems or approaches they're taking yeah. particularly well. Um, but they definitely are playing with more intent and passion and physicality than really anything they showed in the second half of last season, particularly. And one thing that I was really pleased to see with, and I guess we can shift this over to Reg chat as well from the game, was their discipline was great. And that was something that the Waratahs gave away a lot of silly penalties towards the end of last year, particularly in Trans-Tasman. They would often score a good try, but then the other team would just uh, Mario Kart them up the field and they were giving away penalties, not rolling away, getting stuck in the rock, hands and those sort of things. Where last night, the, the Waratahs were very disciplined. They'd take a play to ground and they'd quickly make sure that they were rolling away and they were having clean breakdowns. Whereas conversely, the Reds looked a little bit lost in that area and they got pinged a lot. I don't know, there was a few times where it was sort of obvious that the Waratahs players were holding a Reds player in at the back or, you know, lying on their legs so they couldn't quite roll away and getting pinged for it. But there was a lot of penalties given away. And particularly in that first half, when the Reds lost two players to yellow cards within the space of five minutes, really was starting to show their discipline was hurting them. There was a lot of yellow cards in the trial matches just as a whole, I think. I know um, in some of the New Zealand games as well, uh, there, there were some yellow cards just... 
the rock infringement seemed to be really picking up. And part of it is because they're reacclimatizing to having to play rugby again at this level. And it's obviously so much different to just your trainings and your, your sort of hit outs between the teams. But it is interesting seeing just how well the Waratahs have adjusted to it. I think they've done a really good job of just getting straight up to speed and making sure that they're fit. Um, they're putting an emphasis on defense, but they're also just looking really, really cohesive. They're um, sticking their passes a lot better than a lot of the other teams have. Um, and the only times that I haven't seen them have really as good a handling as perhaps you'd like them to is sort of individual errors as opposed to people not flicking. But look, this is making it sound like it is a Waratahs preview. We'll go through all the teams. Um, we'll, we'll, we must start at the um, the, the first of this lot and we'll work our way towards the more recent ones. But Brumbies played Waratahs at Bowerland. Um, The Waratahs won 24 to 14. It was a really interesting game. I think it was a good first hit out and we got to see a really nice style of play between both sides and see, I guess, how they were looking. Um, and I'll go back to you because you were at the game. How important was this result? And also... With this team, are we looking at a Brumby side that just has a lot of depth if they could put out, you know, not their best team and still stick it with the Tars for a large chunk? Yeah, so to answer the first part, it was really important because of everything that happened in 2021. The Tars just needed to know that they can win. And regardless of it being a trial match, the fact that they, I mean, we'll talk about the others later, but are now going into the season on a three-match winning streak. Yes, in trials, but who cares? We'll take what we can get. Um, they've won everything they could under Coleman so far. So that's just really important for them to break the losing mentality from 2021 and then be moving forward. But then, look, let's be honest, the Brumbies didn't play the vast majority of their Wallabies contingent. I was standing right next to the Brumbies bench and you had... um. Alan, you had oh, basically everybody. I could name Slips. almost all their wallabies yep. and were sitting there um, just having a chat, hanging out. Flowerfanger, I was being an absolute pest to the assistant referees directly in front of me on the ground. Um, it was, they, they have a lot of depth. So the fact that they were able to only go down 24-14 speaks a lot to the quality of particularly just their defensive systems because the Waratahs were actually looking pretty good. Um, they were playing with great physicality, lots of speed and attempts to uh, use fast ball movement to get outside of the Brumbies defence. And the Brumbies held fairly strong for the vast majority of the game and it was just a couple of awesome finishes from James Turner in the corner that um, were some of the differences between the teams. So Brumbies fans should be taking a lot of credit from that loss in particular um, because hardly any of their first team players were actually there. This is a good time for a loss, I think, because um, people are sort of talking about, you know, um, we well, got to win, you got to try and get the momentum. And it's really important for a lot of these sides. But if you are getting close and just missing by a few things, it's a great time to just see what needs to be, you know, tweaked and just what can be adjusted. Um, the, the big takeaway from this, because we'll try and go through some of the injuries throughout the teams, but the Brumbies did lose Ronnie Iona throughout this game, and he's obviously their backup fly half and a pretty big cog to the team. I'm keen to see how they replace him and how quickly he comes back into the fold, because that was a, a pretty significant loss, you'd, you'd think, just in the context of the side. But let's get to another game that had another injury, but it was also a really close game. I think potentially the best game of the preseason so far and i say this as a reds fan who lost but the you reds didn't watch last night's game then come on <laughs> i don't know well i mean if it's a waratahs win everyone's gonna rate that but it's um 
there was only about this game it was really entertaining yeah. the res versus force yep the force got up 42 33 they took a really commanding lead to start i think the reds scored 26 unanswered points and then the force finished really strong it was just it ebbed and flowed but it looked like a great contest the whole way throughout so there were some big talking points and some you know some really nice passages of play throughout but mitch what i guess took your fancy from this game well, this was the similar to what the Waratahs did in their first trial against the Brumbies. This was pretty much the force team for round one. A lot of Wallabies players, mm-hmm. a lot of positions that... I, there was a few positions that were up for contest and for trial, being a trial match. But for the majority, I think this was the team that we will most likely see come round one. So the fact that they were able to push on through and, and get the, the victory is pleasing for them. Um but in saying that, that's in that. Was this game played in quarters as well, or thirds, or was it just uh, an eighty-minute two-half? They had drinks breaks around the twenty and sixty-minute mark as well, so it, it was technically two halves. But they definitely yeah. did make sure they had a formal break uh, right. in between as sure. well. Okay, yeah, because um, I do know that the Reds took off a lot of their first-choice players and brought on some young players, sort of like Tom Liner, um, and gave mm. them the opportunity to get a cap for the Reds and to sort of see how they go in this level. So Who, again, by the way, was awesome. Yeah. Just jumping in. Tom yeah, Liner was, was fantastic. Was great and is is a really good up-and-coming player that will hopefully stick around and we will see in a Wallabies jersey for a very long time in the future. Mm. But, uh, again, it's again not a true indication because you've got a fairly first-grade side going up against a team that's got a lot of combinations and a lot of development going on. But... Um, in saying that the Reds did were leading for the majority of the game. It was only when they started to bring on some of the reserves that that's when the force really started to pull away. It's a good sign for the force, I think, and their depth, because while they lost a lot of experience, there was a, quite a few question marks about how good their bench would be and how much impact they'd be able to deliver. But it looks like they got a pretty exciting starting team and some competent finishes, which is, you know, about as much as you could ask. I still don't think the depth runs super deep, but these guys show that they've got the caliber to definitely match it first few rounds. And and if they can keep the squad together, look really promising throughout the season. So I think a great hit out. And it's a shame they didn't have another. I know their game against Drew got cancelled. So um would have been nice to see them experiment a bit more. But it is nice getting a bit of a feel for what their team will look like. Um, no massive injuries, uh, I don't think, for the force. But Richie Asiata uh, broke his arm, which is a you know, big loss, especially with Alex Murphy having had nine months off of uh, rugby with his injury. So hooker stocks are looking pretty low at the Reds, but they've they've managed to hold out okay uh, in the subsequent games uh, despite that. Uh, the next game was Rebels and Drua, so a midweek game. I think this was the smartest fixture, just in the sense that they play on a Thursday, give themselves nine days to recover or eight days for Drua, but still they're not confining themselves to the week. Um, this one wasn't televised. So a lot of the, you know, feedback and replays were sort of hoping were from Twitter updates from the Drua page in particular. They did a good job of letting us know who scored and what was happening. Um, and then a few little snippets that emerged sort of after the match. But Drua ended up getting the win 28 to 26. Uh, similar style game to the Reds Force. They got an early lead. Rebels sort of clawed it back a little bit. They looked like they might hold on to win. Uh, but then Drua finished really strong as well. So I know... They had a few broken uh, play tries, and their forward back actually did pretty well. Their um, hooker, I think it was Tavita Ikanaveri, 
got the first try um, in close range. So they've got the forwards to mat, uh, match with the backs. But this was an interesting game because we hadn't seen a draw team sheet. We didn't know who was going to be starting. And uh, from the bits you were able to see of this game or read about this game, we should be pretty excited by this draw team, it looks like. Yeah, 100%. And I think the, the footage that's going around of their breakout try from a clearance kick by the Rebels is just part and parcel or, sorry, is is the reason why there's hype around this Drua team and just excitement that they're back in the comp. That they pick the ball up from a clearance and then just have this burst of acceleration that breaks the line. There's probably six to eight offloads within that sequence where players are just looking for the offload and looking to not die with the ball. It's just everything you want to see from Fiji and rugby. And the Rebels, whilst doing their best to try and basically scramble in cover defence, weren't able to maintain that defence with the pressure they were under. So I'm just really excited for what the Druid can bring. I'm a bit disappointed that there wasn't more coverage of this game, that they couldn't enable like Clutch TV or just some level of cover. Like just put someone up on a freaking scissor lift with uh, um, Instagram Live on their iPhone or something and do it that way. It's better than nothing. Um, We couldn't see any of this game really unless the social media teams put out a clip. I was literally thinking that iPhone 12s uh, or 13s, whatever you've got now, like they're they're good enough to get this game going and be able to see pretty good um, quality from a distance. So surprisingly, they didn't have, you know, surely one of the players has a kid old enough to record the game. You know, I don't know how many <laughs> um, old fathers we got in the Rebels team or Drua team, but surely there was someone in there that had a, I don't know, eight-year-old that could have been uh, filming with a phone. But look, it was a good score and I think a really nice um, statement our result just to let us know hey we're not just making up the numbers um obviously a lot of people might have heard the chiefs first minor pacifica result where the chiefs blew them out 61 to 7. i think there were concerns potentially that Truro could you know be facing the same um and they didn't they came out swinging and got a result which is awesome um another team that came out swinging and got a result the waratahs again uh smacking yes. the reds 21 to 14 up at roma um really really interesting um result and mostly just because the fans and players were made to wait i think it was 80 minutes for kickoff um massive issues there there's been so many jokes going around about how lawson Crichton is a electrician and he could have you know just got the kid out and <laughs> tried to get things going but I, I think the big takeaway here as was touched on before the waratahs defense just impregnable they're really looking uh the goods across the board uh, the Reds looking quite scrappy, a lot of drop ball from the outside backs, a lot of uh, needless penalties, I think you'd say. A, a team that doesn't quite look like they've got everything together and could be the signs of a team that's got a bit of rust and quite young. But the Waratahs deserve full credit for, I mean, they had to face the two best teams from Super Rugby AU last year and put them away. So no, um, Nothing to really complain about there. That's So awesome I'm sitting here stuff. as a Waratahs fan thinking, do we need to play Super Rugby Pacific this year? We've clearly just played a Super Rugby AU. Uh, yep. The two teams who were in the final last year have been beaten by the same team. So clearly the Waratahs are the best. Just give us, just give give us, us the, the trophy. trophy. Just give us the trophy, Rev. Mm. Yep. You know, the one thing that I was thinking is, and, and everyone seems to have forgotten that the Reds are playing the hustle game. And <laughs> for people over in New Zealand, they might have noticed the same. The Reds and Crusaders are the only teams that have lost both of the two games they've played. I don't think that's a coincidence. We're talking about the two best teams in the comp 
just letting everyone have a crack, just saying, yeah, okay, we'll put some other players out. We'll let you, you know, just feel that confidence only to come crashing down when they play them. So Reds and Crusaders, I really respect that good work. Um, I know you weren't trying, so I, I appreciate that, and the Waratahs fans appreciate it too. So was it the was it the Reds' plan to for the lights to go off? Was that their plan that the game was going to be cancelled? That they didn't even I, have to play? I think so. I think they were just hoping, it's like, look, let's just call it a draw. Um, just you know, let them have that. But then they thought, no, no, we'll, we'll be even more charitable. Um, so yeah, good, good on them. That's really selfless from the Queenslanders. Um, I, well, I we do have to I, say I we, the Waratahs have won the Santos Cup for the second year running. They so have. we do have one bit of silverware already silverware sitting in the cupboard. More than you have this year, Rev. More oh, yeah, than yeah. you have. We've we've got another. We've got the uh, I guess wooden spoon technically so far. So. Um, I guess we'll we'll keep that. But the, the game itself, I I think the thing that came out of it most was how impressive Lockie Swinton was. Uh, he yep. seemed to just be everywhere, real mongrel. Uh, the lock pairing, they didn't get a single good word said about them last year. But this year, there's been massive credit to Holloway, to Jeff Bridge, to Max Douglas, to Jeremy Williams. I think across the board, you've got a lot of people putting their hand up saying, "Hey, we could start and do a job for you." Um, and of course, Bell and HJH, that's just a prop combo dream. I think okay. arguably best in the comp behind maybe Slipper and Alla Latola. Did you boys get to see Bell's little dart yep. down the left-hand side? 40 that. metres from a quick line out. Just... That is fantasy gold if he can if, do that. If it helps, yeah. there was only 13 players on the field for the Reds at that point in time. <laughs> they didn't have a hooker guarding the five-minute channel. So quick little throw from the line out to him and he was off. Uh, high knees, going down the sideline, everything you want to see from prop. It was like Nelson and Draft Rugby must just have <laughs> been just cuddling the memories of that in his sleep last night. I, I do think the nice thing with the two teams as well, there was still, despite it being the last game before the season starts, a little bit of experimentation with a few positions. I know both sides are still trying to get their ideal sort of back three settled, um, just working out who's going to be which wing, who's at fullback. Um, the injury to Harrison for the Waratahs has obviously shifted a bit of their thinking. And I think Donaldson did a great job at 10, but they're still giving a bit of a chance to admit it. And same for uh, the Reds. Obviously, O'Connor would be the starting 10, but they're really switching it up, seeing if Jock Campbell can do a job there, Hamish Stewart can fill in. Um, but they've got a few options that are worth trialing. So I'm very keen to see. And we how they got go. to see Jordan Pattaya play 15 for the first time in this trial, yes. which is very exciting. It, it's something that I think people are scratching their heads saying, wait, why is he not just starting the game there? Why is Campbell back there? But, I mean, I like that they're giving everyone a bit of a chance to move around and just see where they're going to stick. And I do have uh, to ask, is this the first game in five, six years that Pattaya has actually finished a game without an injury? Like he's <laughs> he doesn't off get the through many 80 minutes. Yeah, he does not get through many. So I think that's probably one of the main things is so that's we've a already got a few injuries and like COVID um, clouds sort of hovering. So the fact that Pattaya made it through is unreal. Unfortunately, uh, a few injuries. The Waratahs will lose for Ketty for a week or two, um, it seems, with an injury. It was a hamstring. Yep. Yeah, so not ideal. He obviously wants to keep building on his um, form that got him into the Wallabies last year. Uh, and a bit of an innocuous hit to Jamie Roberts as well. So we'll see how he comes out because obviously he's the direct replacement for Fichetti. 
and it does drop off quite a bit from there. I will say center. that was a big hit, and they're lucky mm. that this was a trial game without a Timo yep. because you could pretend <laughs> that yeah. could have been Josh a red Nassau card. Should have got red carded and yeah, potentially be looking at a few weeks on the sideline. So, yep, it, it's very lucky that wasn't put up. So I'm keen to see firstly if there's any sanction, but like also just how he recovers from that because I, I do want to see both players playing round one. Yep. Um, there's a comment here about Harry Wilson as well. I, I think, um, I hope it's at least in reference to the uh, the tacky that he had. I think mm. that might have been, you know, we've all been in the same boat. You have a few too many cruises when you're, um, you know, <laughs> just supposed to be drafting, and no, it just, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't get a color. I want to say watermelon cruises. It could have been guava. There was a bit of pinky red tip. Yeah, so. In his um, defense, I will say in his defense, he did just score a try. So that is yeah. probably the one, actually, in the current COVID situation, that's probably the one try celebration you're not allowed to do, <laughs> to vomit on the field. But that's what I'm thinking. Like, we've seen Quade Cooper do backflips. We've seen, <laughs> I mean, in the NRL, we've the seen Greg Ingles do the Goanna. Why can't we have the vomit, the spew, the tacky? Why can't we have a, a post-celebration, a vomit on command whenever you <laughs> score a try? A quick little vom in the corner, <laughs> not on the field, just, you know, go off to the side. Let the people that got the uh, dodgy seats have a, a good view. I think that's, um yeah, that's nice. Let's make it a thing. Let's I, I like it. Now, um, yeah, we'll just cover through some of the other things with Super Rugby Pacific so close. It is worthwhile mentioning that in the first round, unfortunately, we are already facing one game being postponed. So the Blues versus Minor Pacific game, which really sadly was supposed to be the opening game of the whole tournament will no longer be on. So that is a massive shame. Um, it's obviously going to be hard to try and fit that into the schedule because there isn't a lot of time for buys and there's no uh, breaks in between the season and the finals starting. So how they fit that in will be interesting. Um, the other thing, though, is it was a real chance to showcase this, uh, my line of Pacific is the new team coming in uh, and try and get that you know, really hyped up and built up. They, they do the same for the World Cups where the first game is going to be the host team and it's, you know, supposed to be a massive entrance and celebration. I really like that the next game is Waratahs versus Drua and we still get to have that same celebration of a new team coming in. Um, it's more special in my mind because it's in Australia, which is, you know, nice that we get mm -hmm, that yep. sort of representation. And I think it's a good platform for either team to make a statement. Um, I think this would be a great game for the Waratahs to narrowly win just to showcase, hey, we've already beaten the Duck from last year, um, but also shows that the Drua are competitive there, you know, right up there. So that's, um, you know, coming I'm from expecting, a Reds fan. I'm expecting big things from this game. This is going to be yeah. really exciting. It's being played out at Parramatta, so in Western Sydney. I went out to the Sydney Sevens a few years ago in Western Sydney, and whenever Fiji was playing the stadium field and there was mm. singing and dancing and drums and the atmosphere was incredible, when the Fiji wasn't playing, there was about five blokes in the stands, but that's its own <laughs> thing. But the fact yeah. that the Waratahs are playing Fiji in Drua, in Parramatta, it's going to be a fantastic atmosphere. It's going to yeah. be so good. I think it's probably the best venue in Australia for the Indrua to be playing their first game. And I'm really looking forward to seeing how the community gets behind them. And I would not be surprised if there's more white jerseys in the crowd than there are blue. <laughs> I, I think there's an argument to be made for this being the most exciting fixture of the round. Um, mm. So it is going to be very interesting to see this one. I'm very keen for that Friday night. It can't come soon and enough. And I will be there in person. Uh, there we go. So if you are thinking of going to the game, you've now got 
1,000 more reasons to do so because <laughs> you would have the option to speak and watch with Mitch Foster. So That's it. if you are going, please get in touch on the socials. It's great to get as many people out there as possible. I'm already very jealous that I wasn't at Borrell to run into Sheepy and Steve Lenthal. I saw um, saw Endo uh, chumming it up with them, and I thought, gee, this is just a, a Twitter goldmine out there, and I'm I'm not a part of it. I'm in stupid Queensland. Stupid <laughs> Queensland. Yeah. You made, Sitting I'm in the dark with no internet. Yeah. <laughs> I, I need to have a word with um, the senior management at my school because they keep planning a key parent function on the first round or the first night of Super Rugby each year. And last year, um, the headmaster actually was an ex-Waratahs Sevens coach and is now working up at Queensland Rugby Union, and he still put the same date down. So, uh, look, it's challenging. I think Ando, I you've had your hall pass for last year. There's no excuses now. I'm sorry, but you have to be there for round one. And will, we're just going to have to, we're just going to have to find a, a toilet or somewhere for you to zoom in remotely and it'll be fine. And, and deliver my address from, from the stadium. Out, from Bankwest. Bankwest. That, that'd be mega fun. Let's see if I can get away with it. Yeah. Uh, but either way, super exciting. Like it's going to be awesome because there's so much riding on both of these teams. So many narratives that are coming along with the new team entering the comp versus the Waratahs, like trying to not be the 2021 Waratahs. Mm. So I'm... Um, Either whatever happens, I'm excited to see the outcome. Yeah, to match that excitement, we do need to also look at some more exciting news, which is the final unveilings of the captains for this year. Uh, a few captains have remained the same, not many. So we've got Jake Gordon still captaining the Waratahs despite Michael Hooper's return. It's a nice touch to show that he has been a really loyal club servant to the Waratahs and I think did a great job in trying to rally the troops in what was a difficult year in 2021. Uh, and Alan Alalatoa is also captaining the Brumbies again. Um, stellar performance. He's a you know first name on the team sheet nearly every week for them. So I, I don't think there's a, a better candidate for them either. But there are some new captains taking the field this year. So for the force, Ian Pry has handed over the reins to Fleti Kaitu. I think an awesome show of the work that he's done to get into the Wallaby setup, the work he's done to establish himself as one of the premier hookers in the Australian setup. Um, and I think probably goes to show to just a bit of a nod to the future, you know, trying to build a legit group that can have quite a successful um, time at the force. Mm. Uh, Mitch, are you happy with that appointment for Kaitu? Yeah, I think it's a great selection and I'm really looking forward to seeing how he develops. He's a relatively young player. He made his debut for the force last year, got the call up to the Wallaby squad and um, he's now been named captain. So it's great to see him get these opportunities. And he's come through the pathway system through the Western Force. He played a bit of NRC, I believe, for them as well. So I'm really looking forward to seeing how he takes the the uh, captain's armband and, and how he can sort of shape the, the players around him. In an interesting one. I think the, the Reds going from James O'Connor last year back to Liam Wright in a way, but also being co-captain with Tate McDermott is a really interesting sign. And I think... We can probably unpack that a little bit more, but a really good set of players to have running the ship, I guess, for the for the Reds. And uh, you got to chat to Liam right before this was announced and could sort of get a bit of a feel for him. But what do you make of this combo of uh, leaders? I was really impressed, honestly, just with the maturity of Liam Wright in our interview. I mean, because he's still a young guy and before and after we were just having a really nice casual fun chat with him and he's a great bloke. But he was able to make that really quick mental switch from kind of being an early 20s guy, having a chat with people who aren't that much older than him, into, 
okay, this is now a professional or semi-professional interview where I have to have my, my captain's or we didn't know captain's hat on. And some of the ways that he answered questions really well whilst also dodging, um, do dodging the crux of the question just showed that he's, he's got this maturity to his communication. He's got this maturity to his outlook that was really great to see uh, just him continue to develop. So I'm excited to see him grow. Plus, I mean, he's not guaranteed his starting spot. Mm. The Reds are just stacked with back rowers. So having the starting scrum half and as decent as Kalani Thomas and Spencer Jean are, they are not going to be starting over um, Tate McDermott. So it means that you've always got a captain on the field and somebody who's going to be a strong leadership voice within the squad. I like the touch on age because when you look at the names of the other captains, they are a bit older. The Reds definitely have the youngest combination of uh, captains. Maybe that's a good reason why there are two of them, just to try and make it a bit easier and adjust that shift in. Um, and I also like that you mentioned our age in relation to them. I think a safe bet for the people at home is we, we're what we would call super rugby age in that there are people in super rugby <laughs> younger than us and older than us. We're yep. right in the range of uh, super rugby players. Hey, as long as we got uh, Greg Holmes playing, as long as we got Bryn Evans, you know, we're safe Richard for a few Kahui. years. Yep. Yeah, Richard Kahui, we'll, we'll be safe for a little bit. And if any yep. super rugby clubs want to get us involved to, to play, just give us a call. Don't yes. Ask me. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll tell you my age. I won't give my height and weight because I don't think you'll be too impressed. But, yep. you know, the, the, the we won't do any skin there. fold tests. That's yeah, no sure. skin folds, please. Um, I, I think we should go across to the last Australian team to cover with the new captain. That's Michael Wells at Rebels. I think a really inspired pick and a really interesting look to what they want. Again, a congested back row. So it's impressive that they're guaranteeing him a spot in the starting team with that. I think he would make most people's starting team, but with a lot of people hovering around that Wallabies sort of fringe and we're getting in the squads, it's a it's a really important step up, but he is someone that has been an elite trainer and I think team man in the seventh circuit for the Rebels, for the Waratahs. He's done a lot of good work around that leadership group and just consistently seems to be someone that all of his players um, and teammates respect and look up to. So I think a, a good call there. And, yeah, one that I'm, I'm keen to see him play and hopefully take his game to a new level with that extra um, responsibility. Was he captain of the Rebels last year? I think Matt Tamua was um, ah, yes. throughout the season. Yeah. So uh, it's an interesting step here. Maybe he says a bit about what Matt's role might be this year. But, um, yeah, it, it's a very interesting um, selection and, and one that I'm very keen to see. But let's get to the new teams because they're the ones we want to get a bit more intel on. Moana um, Pacifica have named their inaugural captain as one we're all very familiar with, Sokopi Kepu. Um, Legend. Awesome insight. And it, probably, again, someone that's keeping us in that Super Rugby age range or, or <laughs> nearabouts. But he's um, he's someone that retired a, a little while ago and moved to New Zealand to be with the family and probably, you know, play a bit of club rugby and not take it too seriously. This opportunity came out and he's just gone strength to strength and looks like he's going to set um, a really great example for um, you know, the the players that comprise the Moana Pacifica. So, yep. Ando, what do you make of this appointment? I think it's absolutely brilliant. And the, uh, if you guys caught the video where they announced it, it was just so heartwarming to see how much it meant for the man to receive this honour. I think his mum and his sister were there to help with the awarding of the position and the kind of ceremony and the, the honours that went along with it. It, it was 
incredible to watch. And it just shows how much this means to the community and to the players to have this opportunity to play and represent the heritage. And it was wonderful. So from uh, an experienced point of view, he's probably the most experienced player within the squad um, outside of maybe, actually, no, ahead of Christian Leliathano because he had some time off with his illness. Um, so it's just, it makes sense. I see him probably only being the captain for one year. And then once the kind of foundation years begun, they'll probably give it to maybe a younger player who's going to be there for three or four years. So they can start yeah. to build upon what they're creating there at Moana. Yeah, it, it's a really interesting thing. And I think just touching on that, one of the things I've enjoyed the most over the last year um, in an Australian rugby context is how much they're showing us behind the scenes of players getting their first test cap, players getting announced as captain, all these things. They're getting us a real inside um, sort of scoop as to what it all looks like and how the team reacts in the moment, which is something that I don't recall seeing all that much of in previous years. And it's just been a really touching thing, I think, just to really sell the story and the the emotion that's in rugby. Um, Mitch, in a very similar vein, the Fijian Drua have named their inaugural captain as Namani Nagusa. Um, he's going to be the oldest in the team, I, I'd imagine. He's played a fair few tests. Um, as recently as uh, last year as well, getting a few off the bench. Quite a big number eight um, and just someone as well that they really look up to. And I think looking through the names before the season started, he probably did loom as one of the, the key options. Um, this is obviously quite an unknown player compared to Kepu just because we didn't have his exposure with the Wallabies. But this seems like a really good pick for Drua, don't you think? Yeah, definitely. And and similar to what we were saying about Sokopi Kepu getting the captaincy at the at the Pacifica, the uh, the video that they announced the when the the coach Mick Byrne was announcing him as the captain again, the team went nuts and got around him, and you can just tell and you can feel it through the screen that the players love this guy as a as their captain, and they will go into battle with him and for him. So both players. Nagusa and Kepu, great choices. They bring that international experience. They bring the experience of playing rugby across the world that is really probably vital in a competition like Super Rugby. We don't have the element of South Africa and Argentina and Japan like we used to, but you still have the crossover with New Zealand and there's not many other competitions in the world that have as many talented players from so many varied backgrounds coming together to play with in one competition. And I just think those experience of both of these players are going to do wonders for these new clubs. Yeah. And it's a really important thing that these teams have been able to get people that have bought into the system. So immediately, but also found people that so, I think so entirely represent the teams that they're playing for. I think that's a really important thing that they haven't, you know, just picked out anyone who's some superstar, someone that's, you know, been through um, the system, someone that's been around quite a long time and has seen what it takes to be a good leader and can really add to, you know, new teams. It's a really hard thing to do. You need someone that's got that experience. So I think that's a great call um, for both the Drua and Pacifica. Look, we might wrap up our previews there. That's all five Australian teams covered. We've gone through looked at all the trial matches. We've looked at all the possible teams they could name. We've looked at all the ins, outs, the strengths, the weaknesses. Really, all it's going to come down to is in five days' time when we actually get some rugby being played, we can see just how right or wrong we were. Um, I like to think we'll be quite right. But realistically, we're very close to season starting. This is as close as you can get. So all I want to say before I hand over is 
This has been very exciting to see all the teams. And if you have not already, get your Super Brew picks in, sign in, get some bets, because there's nothing wrong with putting some tips in and seeing if you can beat the might of Ando, Mitch, and I when it comes to tipping. <laughs> God, that is uh, talking us up far more than we deserve. So thank you for that, Rev. Um, well, team, I think that we have managed to talk about every other team but the Force enough when it is the Western Force preview for the season. Um, sorry, team, it did go a little bit longer just because we wanted to do a little bit of a preview and a wrap-up of the um, trial matches prior to the season beginning. So now, without any further ado, let's jump into the Western Forces preview for the 2022 Super Rugby Pacific season. All right, we're going to move now into our preview for the upcoming season of 2022 for the Western Force. Now, one thing we do need to announce right off the bat is there has been some big news come out of the West, Western Australia in the last few days that the border reopening that was due to happen early February has been un- indefinitely held back. So at this current time of recording, we don't know what that means for the Western Force and how that's going to impact their season. There are talks or whispers that they may be able to allow play teams to come in if they can stay in a bubble scenario, or the alternative is if they may, like the Melbourne Rebels for the last few years, play their whole season of 2022 away from home. So we do need to say that first because that will potentially quite heavily impact on the team and their performances in 2022. Um, we don't know what will happen, but... Let's uh let's get into the preview. So let's look back at 2021 and f- and look at how they went and where they finished. So in the Super Rugby AU season, they finished third. It was the first time that the Western Force had made the playoffs. Um, they played eight games. They won four. They lost four. Now they had a very big victory the last play last uh, game of this year, taking out the victory against the Queensland Reds, which was great to see for such a young and inexperienced force team. Uh, they moved across into the Super Rugby Trans-Tasman, and which was the story for most of the Aussie teams last year. They played eight. Uh, they played five, sorry, and they lost five, finishing in eighth place. Now, Ando, 2021 wasn't a great year for Australian rugby in general, but how did you think the force went? I think the force did... Probably a little bit better than everybody expected, particularly considering the challenges they had with travel in 2021. So they were in the Eastern States for the entirety of the season. They didn't get to play any games at home. And it was really, really challenging for them. Um, Whilst they had some inexperience in some positions, particularly thinking of kind of number 10 and a couple of the wing spots, um, they did have a lot of other significantly older and experienced players in some positions like Rob Carney, although. <clears throat> although he was injured for big chunks, um, Jeremy Thrush and Kahui as well. There's some players that just have brought that experience level in, but that win against the tabletop in Queensland Reds in their last regular season uh, match was fantastic. Th- getting up 30 to 27 before they really, they just got steamrolled by the Brumbies in the preliminary final the following week, going down 21-9. They looked Honestly, I'm not sure if overawed by the occasion is correct. Um, maybe toothless is being too harsh, but they just could not break. 
the Brumbies defensive line and they had to take what the three penalties and couldn't get through. Yep. But but they were probably the best performing of the Australian teams against the Kiwis. So yeah, they played five, lost five. But when you look at the um, scores themselves, they went down 19-20 to the Chiefs, 15-25 to the Highlanders, got spanked by the Hurricanes, 29-21 to the Crusaders and 31-21 to the Blues. Those are all fairly respectable games. And I think when we go back, if you were to go back and actually watch them, they showed a lot more composure and they showed you, a lot more... If you more, can um, watch, some of those games no longer exist. Yeah, good point. Uh, but but regardless, the point of they they had a lot more kind of defensive integrity and the pragmatic approach that they brought to the game really seemed to counteract the Kiwi approach to playing quite effectively. So in no way would I claim that 2021 is a huge success for the force, but there were some bright spots that they can be hopefully working upon as they move into 2022. Yeah, very well said. Now that leads us directly into their ins and outs for 2022. So we'll start with the players that have left the team. Uh, Marcel Braki uh, is out, Thomas Kubeli, Rob Carney, Tavita Kurundrani, Jono Lance, Thomas Lazana, Kieran Longbottom, Domingo Miotti, Jordan Oloafella, Jonah Placid, and Henry Taifu. Now, out of those names, Andrew, before we look at the players that are actually coming in for 2022, who do you think is the biggest loss? Mm, I think the biggest loss for, in terms of the quality that he brought was probably Jordan Oluwafela. Yep. He was incredible having come across mid-season from Leicester Tigers. His second half of the season was fantastic. He was just a threat anytime he got the ball. Um, I think outside of that, they've just lost so many, so much experience. I think the Argentinian pairing of Cubelli and Miotti is quite significant because they were basically given the the majority of the season at nine and 10 together. And now they're both gone. And so the force are having to essentially restart the combinations in those two key positions. Like obviously Ian Pryor is incredibly experienced has been a force stalwart for what seems like a decade now, but he, his combination with Jake McIntyre or whoever it is, that's going to be playing number 10 is going to have to be built up again. And you just kind of think that that, I wonder if the force um, coaching staff or force management are looking back on the decision to play Miotti and Kubeli for the majority of the season and maybe regretting that a little bit now because they've both gone. Yeah. And we did see that throughout the season. There was so much chop and changing in that 9-10 mm. combination yep. that even force fans were really just saying, let's start the Argentinian pairing. We know that they're played together. We know they've got that connection. And we saw starting off, they were playing Ian Pryor and then they were replacing him with Kubeli coming on late and then they started playing other players in 10 and it, it we never really saw a settled combination and they had a lot of cha- chopping and changing in 2021 that hopefully going into 2022 they won't have as much change. Let's move across into the, the ins and the signings for 2022 and there's a few big names here which is a great get for the Western Force. So starting coming into the team, Daniel Aller, we've got Isaac Fiennes, Lelia Wasa, Bailey Kunzel, both from the Brumbies. Harry Lloyd. Manasa Mateelli from the Crusaders, which probably has to be one of the signings of the year. Rejan Pasatoa, also from the Brumbies. And Reese Tapine. Now, 
I think I know who you're going to say, Endo, but who's the player <laughs> in this list who's most exciting? Exciting. Oh, it's, you? yeah. I mean, if if you're not saying Manasseh Matteoli for that one, then you got no idea what you're talking about. He <laughs> is incredibly exciting and is probably the best recruitment of any player in the Australian conference. Um, so I think you'd probably be. Yeah, I'm, I think we're pretty safe in saying something like that. Um, another player that's particularly interesting, which I don't think he's going to get a huge amount of game time, but is Daniel Aller. He's a really young prospect who did, um, he grew up playing rugby union. He's actually from near us, mate, uh, in Northern Sydney. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. But he um, was involved in a preseason for Manly Sea Eagles and then got poached or scouted or um decided to head back to Union. And he's meant to be a really powerful, fast and dynamic outside back. So kind of playing in a back three, usually on the wing. So he's someone to, if he gets a little bit of game time off the bench, could be could be fun to see what he can do. But really a lot of the conversation outside of Mateelli has to be focusing on the um, Brumbies combination of Fines, Ladia, Wasa, Kunzel and Pasatoa. And the question of how much game time are they going to be getting? Will the force coaching staff, will Sampson be focusing on experience or will he be looking to blood these youngsters as they move forward thinking ahead for 2023 and 2024 yeah definitely and that's one of the questions that we can ask ourselves as we get as we start Mm. looking at the forward pack initially for the for the force this year they have some massive names there we've got uh, santiago medrano tom robinson angus wagner as props feliti kaitu uh, Andrew Reddy, hot and cold players we know, but Jack Winchester has so much potential as an up-and-coming hooker. They have the ability to put a really world-class, uh, skilled forward pack out. We've got Ryan McCauley, Fergus Lee Warner, Isaac Rodder, Sidalecki Tamani, and Jeremy Thrush in the locking in the second row. There's so much talent available in this forward pack. Everyone's going to be fighting tooth and nail for game time. But when we look at this, the... The backs, the fly half position, they've got two players. We've got Jake McIntyre and Rejan Pasatoa. Now, Jake McIntyre has had a few minutes over the last two years for the Western Force, and I wouldn't say he's set the house on fire. He's not a household name yet. He's been playing under Miotti last year. Hot and cold, uh, we've got Rejan Pasatoa, who's come across from the Brumbies. Again, not getting a lot of game time there. Has a lot of potential and, and could be potentially talking about uh, has a household name come the end of 2022. But just right now, I don't know if he's the player that should be starting for the Brumbies, uh, for the the force, sorry. And one of the questions I have is that it's only going to take one or two injuries in the backs for this team to start to fall apart. What are your thoughts around that, Ando? I think, um, I mean, you've got to add Bailey Kunzel into the conversation there for number 10 as well, because although he um, is kind of listed as a centre, at least on their website, he's like a 10-12 option, so he can be playing either. Uh, but as we consider, as we kind of move forward into this discussion, they, they've got some experience in, in some key positions, but outside of the kind of the starting 15, they really drop down in yeah. experience and quality straight after that. So we have as our kind of listed um, 23 for them. We got, and I'll just focus on the backs for now. You got Pryor, McIntyre, Mattielli as 9, 10, 11. Uh, Godwin and Kahui is a center combination. Byron Ralston and Jack, Jack McGregor um, as your 14 and 15. But then as you go to the bench, I want to have Fines, Leliwasa, Pasatoa and Kunzel all on the bench. 
that would they would be my 21 22 and 23 combination um and i know that that might be leaving the back three cover a little bit bare i think when you got someone like richie richard kahui um he can kind of play on the wing if need be and ralston can fill in at 15 as well if you need to i just think the the force of really at this point where their experiment in 2021 of bringing an experience to get them to compete at a, at a good level in super rugby um that has now finished because the vast majority of those experienced players are now left after the one year at the club so they're they're they don't have that same level of incredible experience to bring into the team or come off the bench so they need to find the balance of that experience and then bringing players in for the future so i i think that the question i think mcintyre should be starting at 10 but i'm also concerned if what happens if carl godwin goes down at 12 and who you'll put into that position and how the reshuffle will go from there because i don't really see any ready-made experience replacements for any of the center positions yeah exactly and that's where one of my fears is that it only takes one or two injuries in this back line and while they have the they potentially have players with the skills to cover they probably don't have players to thrive in those positions and that second tier of players coming through don't really they don't haven't named a lot of players that can stop that gap that can really sort of step between and step up into those positions should need be and, and write a season if it's in the middle of if it's an injury in a really crucial time um, let's move into our key positions or key players and Who's your key player for 2022 for the force, if you had to name one? Um, the position, the, the player I think who has to have a really big season is um, Jake McIntyre at 10, because there's a lot riding on this season for him. I think if he has a poor season, his super rugby career might well be over. Um, or he'll have to move away from Australian Super Rugby teams and maybe find an opportunity somewhere else because he's got too many talented people behind him who are ready to step up into that position if he isn't able to perform. So I think he deserves to start because of his experience in the last season or two, but he's going to need to perform in the first few games. Outside of that, when looking at the forwards, uh, I think we're going to ex- we're going to have the normal strong performances from. Robertson, Kaitu, Medrano. Uh, Isaac Rodder has a lot to bring because the locking stocks for the England internationals in the mid-year are going to be hotly contested, particularly if Rory Arnold is available for them as well and does make his way back. So Isaac Rodder is an excellent player, has a lot to offer to Australian rugby and the Wallabies. It'll be great to see the fight with the other locks throughout the country, such as Matt Phillip to see who can be getting the other locking positions within the Wallabies. And so, yeah, Rodder really needs to step up for the force this season. Yeah, definitely. One player I'm really looking forward to, to see play is Manessa Mattaelli. And mm. you touched on it briefly before, Ando, just around his size and his ability to break the line. He's really going to be that Jonah Lomu-style player who, as a winger, whenever you get the ball, he's just going to find space and just run over people and score tries. Brian Ralston, on the other hand, on the other wing, is a great option, is a great young player coming through. I just feel a little bit for the force because what we saw this year with Jordan Oloafella was his ability to score tries from nothing. And Mm. he was just a smaller player, smaller build, but he had the ability just to break tackles or just dart around players and find space in that sort of tram tracks and that five meters on the sideline and to get the ball to the try line that we haven't really seen a lot of other wingers do in Australian rugby at the moment. He's a different type of winger where we're currently looking at players like Martelli 
like Corabetti, uh, who are strong on-ball players who can break tackles and, and do that kind of um, abrasive style of play. But we don't seem to have that soft, depth, nimble player like Oluwafela had. And Ralston is shaping up to be a player of that potential, but I think they're really going to struggle without a player like Oluwafela if they come across particularly some of, like, playing the teams like the Drua and the Moana Pacifica this year, they're going to be some massive, massive boys out on the wings, and I think it might mm-hmm. be easier to get around those players than to go through them or over them. Um, who else are you looking forward to seeing play this year for the Force? Ryan McCauley spent some of his off-season over in England playing with Exeter. And so I'm kind of seen, keen to see him come back and whether he's got a bit more mongrel, a bit more physicality in his game uh, after some time playing over in the kind of wet, sloppy fields of England. Um, also, you've got Tim Anstey. He had some absolute highlight reel moments breaking into the force team off the bench. I don't think he deserves a start, but I'm keen to see whether he can continue that transition from sevens into the 15-man code. Uh, 15-man game and just really uh, bring some consistency to his game in a core elements of what it is to be a 15s back rower and keep that speed, keep that turn of pace, keep that on-ball threat, but also make sure that he's muscling up around the rucks and providing the line-out options. I just want him to be more consistent with his work rate around the field rather than just doing his highlight moments. So he he's an exciting one to watch. Um, Fines Loliawasa should be the bench nine option. He should be lining up in a 21 jersey. And he is a huge point of difference to Ian Pryor. The game styles are very, very different. Um, I think Ian Pryor is probably a bit more of a traditional nine in terms of his delivery, kicking game. Um, passing ability and Leila Wasser is far more of a running threat. He can even be played on the wing if required at a pinch. So he will kind of, I think he's almost the closest to Tate McDermott within Australian rugby in terms of his running threat. And so it'll be really exciting to see. <laughs> would anger his a lot of impact. Queensland fans, I can imagine. <laughs> no, it's a good thing. I'm saying he's closest <laughs> too in terms of like he, he he's similar in the threat that he shows when on the ball and around yeah. the edges of the ruck. And I just think that, um, it may well come to the end of the season that Ian Pryor's position as starting nine is not cemented in, despite his experience on leadership within a team. Um, it might end up he starts off the bench, much like he did behind Kubeli uh, by the end of the season. So Pryor will start, but it wouldn't surprise me if Isaac Fiennes or Iwasa can push him by the end. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Do you have anything else you want to chat around this team or should we move into our predicted finish in 2022? Look, I think um, the Force are going to struggle this season, particularly if they have a couple of injuries to some of the backs. Their their forward pack has been relatively stable, which is fantastic. However, they almost all of their incoming players, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight of the 12 incoming players are in the back line. And that just, to me, breeds uh, uncertainty it breeds a lack of game time together. It just shows that they really are going to be struggling in terms of the continuity of the play if they have injuries and they're having to bring kind of squad players into the starting 23. So uh, their forward pack is going to be incredibly strong as they always are and combative. But if they receive one or two injuries to the back line, their hopes for the season are going to plummet very quickly. 
Yep, definitely. And I think one thing that will be interesting to see, particularly early on in the season for 22, is how they approach this season and if mm. they start yep. to rely on their forward pack to give them a lot of that go-forward ball, but maybe shift their game to be a little bit more in line with sort of the Brumby style. So keep it in tight, pick and drives, going to the line, going off malls, um, scrum drives, those kinds of things, and scoring points that way. Uh, because, yeah, this forward pack is not dissimilar to 2021. We've had a few names come in and out and a big inclusion is in Isaac Rodder. But apart from that, it's fairly similar to last year. And they they had a good baseline to work on last year. They'll only get better this year with the with the few inclusions yep. that they've had. Uh, yep. As you said before, their back line is the, the point of worry at the moment. Now, I give them a year or two, and, and the players like Pasatoa and Fines Liliwasa are probably going to be household names and standout players in Australian rugby. Yep. But just at this point, they don't have enough talent around them to really allow them to develop and to flourish. So in saying that, Ando, what do you predict... Where do you protect the Western Force to finish 2022 on the Super Rugby Pacific table? People are going to slam me for being a Force hater, which is just not true. Um, I think if we are assuming, based upon the current state of domestic travel within Australia, that the Force are going to be based on the East Coast and have to play the majority of their games away from home, I think they're going to finish around about 10th on the ladder and i think that they'll struggle to win more than four games throughout the season yep yeah i've i've gone similar i've got them at 10th as well i've yeah, okay. also got them having four wins and i think ando you just copied and pasted from what i wrote because i clearly had that in before you but um yeah as as we said travel is going to be a big one for the force and coming up against the australian teams first is going to be the best thing for this young team that they can potentially get a win against the Drua or the Waratahs or the Rebels. Mm. Um, and if they can beat two of those teams, they're, they're going well. Uh, but come the come the New Zealand sides in the second half of the draw or later in the year, if, if that all does go ahead, we are sort of in this period at the moment. We're not really sure what's going to happen yet. But if we do move into that uh, second half crossover, of Super Rugby Pacific, I think they really will struggle and we will see similar results like we did uh, in 2021 with no wins against the New Zealand sides. Yep. Awesome. Now, we've gone on a little bit about the Western Force and we probably aren't hashing this out as much as we would say the Waratahs, but (laughs) we're doing the best that we can with what we're given. You're welcome, Force fans. Let's let's do something a bit cheeky. We have done this in some of the other pods we've done in our preview so the predicted number of inclusions of western force players in the wallaby squad come july or june when Rennie announces his squads for me three three um i think it's going to be three i would be betting tom robertson uh felici katu and isaac rotter as my three um and i'm i'm talking about kind of like the 30-man squad Yep. Um, not like a wider 40 or so man training squad. If it was a wider wider squad, I'd be predicting a few more. But yeah, three. Okay. How about yourself? I'm going for six. Ooh. So I think we've got the likings of some really good up and coming forwards in this in this forward pack this year. So I think uh, definitely Fleeti Kaitu who gets recalled. Uh, we've got Suleleki Tamani potentially coming back into the fold. We we saw that he was included early on from 2021 from Dave Rennie, but didn't get a whole lot of game time, but was training with the team. 
Isaac Rodder is the mainstay. I wouldn't be surprised if a young up-and-comer like Ryan McCauley or Tim Anstey might be able to have a breakout year this year and, and push for inclusion in the wider squad. So, mm-hmm. um, but even putting it out there, it could potentially be happening that Rejan Pasatoa or Isaac Fiennes Liliawasa might be a bolter. They they do have good potential. We do know that Dan McKellar is the Wallabies forward coach and he knows how these guys play and he likes sort of Brumby's experience. So that might be <laughs> in their favor at the moment. So I'm going to go with six. Going to be optimistic. Be but cool, mate. That's be cool. Let's see what happens, hey? All right, let's see what happens. Um, I think that's it for the fourth. I've enjoyed chatting about them. One thing I will quickly say, uh, they had approximately 1,611 Super Rugby caps to their name in at the end of 2021. According to my calculations, they'll be starting with 505 caps less. So they're coming in at 11.06. So that just speaks to the loss of experience that they've had from 2021 to 2022. Yep. So when you have players like Tavita uh Jonathan Lance, Thomas Cubelli, Thomas Lozana, here in Longbottom as well, those are players with um, kind of years and years of experience playing Marcel Super Brachy Rugby. as well. Yeah, a lot yep. of Super Rugby caps. Yeah, so when you have those players go and then you bring in such inexperienced players outside of Isaac Rodder, just uh, I, I think it's going to be a challenging year for them, but it's going to be a building year. And so yep. I'm very excited to see how the team goes, but I'll be keeping an eye towards their performances. Well, in, in their performances for 2023 and 24 in Mont. Yep, definitely. Well, thanks everyone for getting to this point in the pod. Uh, it's always great to talk about the Western Force. It's always great to have them back in the competition and back in the mainstay. Oh, yeah. So... Sending all our love to everyone over in in the West. We do love you over here on the East Coast as much as you think we don't. Um, <laughs> and you are always in our thoughts. So thanks, everyone. And go the force this year. All right. Catch you, team. Bye.